you're, uh, you know, you're spending however long, an hour or whatever the show is, uh, kind of like belting so much out that it's like emotionally exhausting. There's a false notion in our society. I'll take care of you if you take care of me. But the truth is, if we actually take care of ourselves first, only then can we change our life, change our homes, change our cities, our relationships, and eventually change the world. For those of you who appreciate the holistic lifestyle, you've come to the right place. Your host, Emmanuel Zavallos, is a certified emotion and body code practitioner and certified group energy facilitator. You are now listening to Healing the Healer podcast. This show is brought to you by Heal, the social media platform for those who love the holistic lifestyle. Are you tired of sharing holistic tips and getting banned or going to Facebook jail for sharing the truth? Are you tired of all the Facebook political drama? Tired of people who don't support energy healing growth? My wife Jess and I created a social media platform that was meant for people who love social media, communicating with like-minded people, and love learning hacks from other wellness practitioners. It's free to join www.haveempathyandlove.com. Plus, every week you have the option and choice to opt into a cutting-edge healing group where you get energy healing for seven days straight. Again, it's free to join www.haveempathyandlove.com. I have a really special guest today, uh, Tim Kasher here. And for those of you who don't know him, and it's just wrong if you don't, um, but he's from Omaha, Nebraska. He's in cursive, and he has another project called The Good Life. Uh, he recently released an album called Middling Age, which is his fourth album. And um, he's actually made 20 studio LPs since 1994. Is that right? I suppose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know he, it's, I know it's somewhere up there, yeah. Yeah, and so um, I also was uh, looking you up. I was like, okay, he plays vocals, accordion, guitar. Uh, I put ugly organ, keyboard, uh, <laughs> vavuzela, which I wish he could play today, bass. and um, But uh, yeah, just welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thanks. I think that that whatever that Vuzula is, I think that's somebody um, wonking with the Wik- Wikipedia. Okay, okay. I think I've seen that before too, <laughs> and I've been asked that before. I don't even know what it looks like. I, I, I'm a musician myself, <laughs> and I was just so sad. I was like, "What is Vuzula?" I'm like, "Okay, it's one of those cool little trumpet-looking things back in the medieval times." Um, but uh, anyway, I just want to first of all uh, just welcome you to the show. One of the things is uh, I don't know if you follow up with like. Joiner Lucas or Will Smith at all? Do you follow up with those? Those are rappers. I don't know if you. I was gonna say there's a lot of there's so many Will Smiths in the right now. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which so, like there's Will Smith the ball player, baseball oh, player. Yeah, yeah. There's so there's, there's of course the Will Smith. I think we'd all like to consider the Miami Will Smith is like the yeah. But then I just ran into another one. Is it? Are, so you're talking about Will Smith? Will Smith like Fresh Prince. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, but Joyner Lucas did something. He, he was a, he was a rapper, and he did something like where he's like he, he did a song t- like a tribute to him, where he was just like, "You got to give a rose to someone before they pass away, or give a rose to someone for like just thank you for all that you've done." You know. So this is my for me. This is like a podcast, like giving a rose to you, because uh, because uh, yeah, basically I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you what happened. A little story, just real quick. Uh, so I was in military school, and uh, once I graduated, I went to Musicians Institute over in Hollywood, and uh, I was going there, and they they told me to they forced me to study music business, and then um, and then a girl from school invited me to go see the Bled. I don't know if you you know that band, the Bled, but uh, yeah. it was pr- it's a pretty really heavy 
thrashy band. But um, around that same time, either it was that night or the night right afterwards, she invited me to another show. And that was the first time you showed up there and you were like, uh, you played um, the some red handed sleight of hand. Like that was like the opening song. And then I was just like, what band is this? You know? And, uh, and I was like playing music at that time, you know? And I just remember going like, that was like the greatest opening song for a show. And then I just remembered saying like, like, I want to continue playing music. What am I doing in music business class, you know, in musicians Institute, you know? So, um, but yeah, so I just wanted to say like your album, that album just totally rocked my world. I think it was up there with like Mars Volta, D Laos and the Comatorium, which is like one of my other favorite bands uh, of all time. So I just want to say thank you for, it was like again a very amazing inspired work in my opinion, you know. So Mars Volta has a, they have announced like uh, they're they're doing shows again and uh, having maybe have a new album too. It's- yeah, they they released a single like I think just recently. I, I saw it on Cedric's uh, Instagram and it was like it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I just wanted to kind of share that with you. There's there's the rose there, but um, cool. but yeah. Thanks. So so first of all, just how are you? Like how what's going on over there in the in the Tim world right now? What are you up to nowadays? Uh, I'm great. I have uh. I'm, I, I feel like it's a little bit more of a relaxed season for me. I did a lot of, uh, I did a lot of touring through the first part of the year. Um, so this is a great time of uh, year for me. I'm just working on music and, uh, actually even kind of going through, I have a tons of, um, I have like tons of old, uh, cassette tapes everywhere right now that I'm going through, uh, uh, trying to, trying to, uh, I don't know, man, there's just so much stuff over like, basically just stuff from like the nineties, I guess when I was still using four tracks, but finding uh, like un- unearthing uh, music that I didn't, uh, I haven't heard for the last 20 years. So that's kind of cool. Oh, so like music you've never like fully put it out there and you're just kind of reviewing the tapes. Yeah. So I'm going through, um, I'm kind of scouring through them and trying to find stuff that um, has been lost, just lost, you know, yeah. and then transferring it to uh, pro tools so I can kind of get it digitally and, um, uh, have a better way a better uh, way to um kind of preserve it i guess yeah I, I remember doing the um you know recording in those those little uh that blue big board and like putting it in there and then like if you play it long enough in there or record stuff over it the tape just gets getting worse and worse and worse and but i just remember that like sometimes this organic feel from the tape was just amazing and then like can i replicate what i just did on that tape even i don't care if it's pro tools just like there's something raw about that tape that you know you're yeah, kind of like nervous so- if you can replicate it so I'm starting a, a part of this as well is I'm starting a project where I'm just going to start, I'm going to start recording stuff on four track. I just as like a tangent up amongst other things. Uh, and I'm excited about it. But the thing is, is that I know that I'm ultimately still going to be transferring it over to pro tools. And so like onto my laptop. And, uh, so I think I have to like set parameters for that. Uh, my parameters are, I think it's okay to switch it into pro tools and, um, and apply like, you know, just certain, uh, 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 filters and gates just to make it sound better. Like say, um, uh, reverb and, or more importantly, compression. But I think that I'm going to have a rule that I can't, um, tamper or edit it because I think that's kind of part of the beauty of what four track recording is. Right is uh we aren't able to kind of go in into like the nanoseconds and like splice right 
everything. And, uh, you know, so, right. you know, like the way I do, a lot of people don't realize this, but like the way I do, I'm going to just go off on boring tangents now. No, please like, go to ahead. do like, to do like a, <laughs> a vocal take, I'll generally do three to five takes. Yeah. And then I go through and I edit them all together. Right. Uh, that's not the way you do it with a four track. No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I want to, so I kind of want to, if I'm going to do a, if I'm going to, if I'm going back, if I'm going to record stuff on a four track, I feel like I should be um, maintaining some level of integrity of what the four track actually was and what is what it's capable of right or what it's not capable of i guess and what's interesting too is like some of our favorite i guess like iconic songs that we appreciate you know like the beatles for example they were using the simple tracks or you know simple tracks like the doors it's like you you got what they played that day and if they sounded great that's what it was and it and but it was memorable i mean we still play it now and we still love the recording so that's something that i think a lot of something i i imagine a lot of uh non-musicians may not think about is that prior to there's been a lot of you know technological revolutions going on and in, in the music industry it's certainly been um it you know massively affected by it in a, in a lot in mostly positive ways uh but prior to us all having our own recording setups in our own homes uh you had to be really good <laughs> to, yeah. you had to be like, you know, so really when good. You hear, yeah. So basically anything from like, you know, 1995 and under, I'll say it's just like some yeah. kind of like, you know, maybe like 19, maybe the year 2000 or something, anything under that before that, that's people actually recording onto tape for the most part and just getting great takes because they're uh, good at what they do. Right. Yeah, and I was uh I just watched the Elvis movie recently. I don't know if you got to check it out. I don't know if you're kind of like anti Elvis or you're <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like I like Baz Luhrmann. He's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was really good. I liked it and um but the, I I guess I was reading up on Elvis too and it was saying that he was kind of like a 80, 90 sometimes take guy. Like it was just kind of like it was not good enough or I need to do it again, you know. And Really? Yeah, and that's that sounds like insane, but it sounds like he was a perfectionist, like too much almost. You know? Huh, it's, it's, that's so interesting, so fascinating to hear. He's, you know, some like one of the most iconic voices oh, yeah. in um, re recording history. Yeah, I was shocked too. I, I thought like, you know, but like, but again, you know, what we think might be like, that's the best vocals ever. Something in his head says it's just a little bit flat here or whatever, you know, it's like yeah. no auto tune there, you know? Yeah, no, not, so, at, um, not at all. But um, so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go into, okay, so when I go to cursive, I noticed that if you go to Spotify, I don't know if you like check yourself out or you're just like, okay, I'm just not going to like look at what people, how people are responding. I'm just going to just play music, you know? But um, when I go to, when I go to cursive, the ugly organs like on the top five, like there's like two or three, like three or four songs from the ugly organ that's still on like the top five of cursives when you see that. So I was thinking like, has it for you, is it sort of like when Nirvana loved, like he used to play Nevermind and that's all they wanted him to play are you in that set where you're just like, I just want to try stuff that's new and I want people to just really appreciate this new place where I'm at? Because I, I kind of feel like when, I, when I'm listening to your music and tell me if I'm wrong, but like, for example, um, like Linkin Park, you know, is like a really tough, tough band, you know, and as they go along, it seems like they got kind of like lighter, like it's almost like Chester finally got happy. Like he's not so yeah. mad anymore. You know, it's almost like he got all his angst out and now he's just kind of like he wants to play in a forest now, you know? So I'm wondering if you're in that phase where, because when I heard middling age, it's just, it's just got that great guitar riff and it's got these amazing jazz chords in there. And I'm just like, this is a really calm, relaxing, like 
going down in a boat down a river kind of music. I don't know if that's what that that's the phase that you're in, you know? Well, I've done, I've kind of tried to um, kind of maintain these multiple phases throughout the last 25 years or whatever. Uh, so uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's very, that's a good, that's a good representation of what middling age is. And I love that style of music, but I've also been doing that in since the nineties as well. Uh, but it was just kind of a uh, represented more like through the, the good life and then through, um, and then through solo albums as well. Uh, uh, Cursive though has gone through um, different incarnations. Um, although they might be more subtle um, to uh you know, maybe it needs more of an astute observer, a listener to like kind of recognize it. But, uh, you know, the record, the records do kind of go through different, um, uh, eras, at least to our ears. Um, but I don't know, you know, like the last records, the last two records cursive did in, uh, I guess it was it 2018 and 2019, I think, uh, are, you know, rock records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're kind of like, we're, we're in the middle of a record right now. That's, um, you know, I won't, it's like heavy, I guess, but I don't know if like saying it's heavy is just like such a generalization. Sure. It's just, uh, we play loud like we always have. And, um, but there's quieter stuff too, like we've always had, you know? Right. Um, I like to try to, I, I, we've always wanted our albums to be eclectic. Um, we try to avoid like, um, a, too much of like a homogenous sound. Um, right. as I feel like that can tend to, um, just blur you know like a blur an album will like become blurry in your you know i like for the song each song to be able to stick out if, if possible right yeah and um who's um so I, I wanted to kind of uh hopefully you don't mind but like i feel like i've listened to i probably watched maybe i don't know maybe a few dozen interviews and you know how it is like people always ask you questions about you know your tour and you know just the typical things like hey so you're coming out and 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 your 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 record label or just the different things like that but i feel like there's not a lot of in my opinion like attention to like your 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 lyrics like your lyrics are i i sometimes check youtube and people are are really commenting on like how powerful your lyrics are, you know? And, and for me, it's like, that's a really big deal. Like it's cause I'm, I wrote haikus since I was maybe like three years old or something. Probably I picked up a crayon or writing a haiku about a hummingbird that passed away or something. But, um, I love poetry and, you know, I was in a band for a little bit. I love music. And I just think like lyrics are so important. Like it grabs your heart and the music kind of, kind of, um, adds an ambiance to it, but it's like the lyrics should be just grabbing your heart, telling you like, do you relate to this or do you not relate to this, you know, kind of thing. And, um, so I was just wondering if maybe I could just fly through some questions about my favorite album that you've had, which is for me, it's the ugly organ, you know, that's my favorite one. And I call it the gateway album, kind of like gateway drug, you know, like if someone were to <laughs> check out cursive, I always sound like you want to listen to cursive, listen to the ugly organ, then he, it kind of opens and to different levels of where he's at in music. Um, but, um, but yeah, if you don't mind, I'd love to just ask you just some random questions about that album. Cause sure, I know. Absolutely. And um, so first of all, uh, something that I noticed in the ugly organ, like the lyrics, the first part, it's, it, you know, I grew up my, my past. I know I saw in an interview that you grew up kind of Catholic or I guess maybe your parents were Catholic, you know, but, um, but I was just wondering like, how much did that sort of doctrine sort of like influence your words? Because I know like even in the, the sleight of hand song, you know, it says our father who art in heaven. I mean, that's just flat out like the our father that they always pray about, you know. So I'm always and then, you know, past the, you know, past the uh, pat around that's, you know, like putting your little tithing in there. I mean, it's just a lot of like kind of 
moments of where there's like Catholicism thing from there. But um, do you feel like that kind of influenced you a lot on that album? Like, like you just wanted to say, okay, this is how I grew up. So I'm just going to kind of throw it in there. But is there like a reason for it? Is it like, are you sharing that because of like, maybe you're against it or maybe, like, I'm just, I don't know. I just wanted to see like what you were, what your intent was, you know? Uh, you know, it's, it's such a, um, yeah. So I grew up, uh, in a Catholic family and, uh, went to 12 years of, um, of, uh, well, yeah, eight years, eight years of a Catholic school and then four years of high school at like a, um, all boys, uh, you know, Jesuit school. Uh, so it's a lot of, um, that's a lot of indoctrination, uh, and it's totally, absolutely, um, been cemented in my mind, you know, and it's completely informed uh, who I am. Uh, that being said, I, I'm, uh, that being said, I'm an atheist, um, but that doesn't mean that I don't carry all of that uh, with me. I'm, it's all like so, um, uh, some, so it's all, so it's also like deeply ingrained into like the fiber of who I am. Uh, and all, and in, in many ways, I'd say in a positive way. Uh, uh i think there's a lot of benefits to uh to the messaging of uh of uh of a catholic school of like religious classes i guess um there were there's certain benefits in there i think there's also um i think there's also a lot of problems with it right too. i have a lot of problems with organized religion uh but yeah, I think that I just throughout my life when I get into writing, I kind of can't help but like they're all my reference points are like biblical. You right, know? right. Uh, and so it's just kind of a, it's just, it shaped who I am so much that it shaped what my, it shaped my music so much. And it all kind of seems natural to me uh, that that would happen. But also I'm not just somebody who grew up Catholic and then became like lapsed Catholic or just doesn't care. Yeah. I'm, um, I, I, take it like really seriously. And it's something that I think I sometimes like to take a minute to just explain that to people because there is a tendency for people to assume like, oh, well, if you're atheist, that just means you don't give a shit about religion. It's like, well, actually I give so much of it. I care so much about religion that I spent, I'm basically spending my life thinking about religion. And um, it sounds like and, you're almost reflecting on it um, over and over again. Like it keeps coming up in different songs and, and it's kind of like uh, yeah. you're poking at it, but like, but it's not in a, not in a really negative way. You're just kind of just poking at it and just seeing what's there. You know, I, I noticed that. Yeah. And I'm definitely, I'm definitely negative at, at times because I think I feel the need to, because I think I feel the need to, I'm trying to get, a, I, I think I want to get a message across that I want people to que to question their religion. Sure. Um, I don't want people to like lose their religion if it's um if it's like their guiding um if that's like their uh you know their, their compass their, their their guiding light I guess for lack of a better term, uh, but I do want them to question I do want them to question it because I think that they should question the organized I think they should question organized religion, uh, but so yeah so I, I I need to be negative about it at times but all, most but more often than not. I try, especially as I've gotten older, I try to be a little bit more uh, level-handed uh, about it because I don't, I, I, th I want um, atheism to be taken seriously. And uh, uh, I think it's, a, I think it's potentially a really positive um, and can even be faith-based. I mean, like it's, again, it's like, I think people just kind of get uh, uh, something like atheism. It's just like, well, it's the denial of all religion. So it's just kind of like, it's, um, 
it was reduced to just nothing or just like paganism or something like mm-hmm. that. It's just like, well, it's really doesn't have to be that at all. Uh, I think that, I think that to um, be forced to believe in yourself and to believe in humanity versus just um, versus just kind of having this like fallback crutch of like, Oh, I don't know, God, I'm in God's hands or God will take care of me or anything like that. You know, and again, I don't mean to be too discouraging about it. Cause I know I, Again, I do respect that that's how people feel, but hey, I need them to respect how I feel too. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, which is, it's like, it's, you know, I've, sometimes I do feel like atheists have to like, uh, you know, I mean, think about it. They have to stay in the closet. If you're an atheist, if you're, a pol- you know, in politics, if you're an atheist, it doesn't look good, yeah, you know? Right. Um, if you're a leader, if you're a leader and you're, you know, it's like, you can't, I mean, it, just being leaders of humanity, um, people don't trust atheists. And I think that's kind of a load of crap. Uh so anyway, <laughs> I like to try to stay positive about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, because I think that so much of atheism is um, so many atheists out there tend to be um, tend to be pretty negative. And again, I think it's because it's like we feel the need that to, we feel the need to be because um, I think atheists feel feel attacked. You right. know? Yeah. <laughs> and so you kind of want to fight back. Uh, but uh, but I think it's better to um, have a positive uh, message. And so I. Again, I try, but it's like it's it's you know it's I'm pretty angry about a lot of things it's, too. It's almost like you're a, a, a an, an atheist apologetic, you know, like you know, like they they tend to defend or just kind of like I, I really feel like there is a, everyone should respect everyone's um, beliefs, you know. It's like that's whatever floats your boat. My my thing with I always tell with with religion, I feel like a lot of people give it crap because there's always that 10% that's really sort of um, very judgmental and overly dogmatic, you know? And then those 10% are like the loudest people in that religion. And then yeah, most yeah. of the people in the church don't even like that 10%, you know, for the exactly. most part. And yeah. so we only hear from those. And so then you judge the whole religion based on that 10%, you know? But the yeah. 90% were like, we wouldn't even have them over for dinner. Like, they're just like, woo, you know? So, um, but yeah, those are my thoughts. But yeah, I totally, I, I can see where you're coming from. Then uh, I know like Ricky Gervais is, you know, I know I've seen some of his interviews, you know, and he talks about sort of the difference between agnosticism and like atheism. It's always interesting how there still needs to be clarification nowadays. And I think Christians are just way too quick to judge and just say like, well, if you're not Christian, then, you know, go to that fiery place. You know, it's like, I think that's, that's not really, that's very being judgmental on your side, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. And you're, you're reminding me um, again, like how I, I like to kind of, I like to suggest to people that I, it's like that I am, I am religious. I mean, in, by, in, by choosing atheism, it's like I am choosing a religion in a sense, mm-hmm. or uh, because I um, have no interest in uh, agnosticism. I have no interest in people who, um, who will sometimes attack atheism as like, oh, how can you be atheist? You don't know. You don't. You can't possibly know. Agnosticism is like clearly the um, the most informed decision we can make. Uh, uh, based on the fact that we have no information right uh but that's my response to that is like okay tell uh, a catholic tell a christian to be agnostic right i <laughs> right. mean it's just like why are you telling an atheist to be agnostic tell a christian to be agnostic like a christian then a christian will, of course will respond and say well no i believe there's a god i'm of course i'm not agnostic it's like well i want i have beliefs too i have a belief system i believe there's no god why would i be agnostic like I'm making it. I I don't want to be. I don't want to sit on that fence. Right. That makes perfect sense. I mean, and like I said, I I, I really feel that 
I think this world would be a way better place if everyone just sort of respected everyone else's beliefs and just didn't make quick judgments on it, you know? And, and like I said, everyone's kind of, we're all breathing the same air. We all, I mean, I love that that typical meme that we always see where it's just like, you know, if you were to strip us of our skin, you know, you would just see the same muscles and skeleton. I mean, we're all really technically yeah. the same, you know? And it's just like, um, the, uh, I, I was just, I made a, I need to make a podcast about how we have such a versus mentality here. And, and, and it's really, it's really hurt our level of peace in this life. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, red versus blue, you know, black versus yeah. white, uh, this religion versus non religion. I mean, it's just like the polarities are like the, the struggle of our human peace, in my opinion. Yeah. The worst in this country right now is red and blue. It's just totally insane. And, yeah. uh, it's just, and we're just all, whatever, that seems like a whole other conversation. <laughs> but we're all, it's like, we're, it's, it's just tactical. You yeah. Know? We're like, we're like absolutely pawns being, right. being like ripped asunder, torn asunder by, by, uh, by, pol by politics and by social media and by media in general to, um, to be like repelled. Mm-hmm by each other you know yeah i'm always uh like i said i think everyone should just listen to a cursive album or um the middling age and then just you know just chill a little bit you know just like you know take a little <laughs> yeah. tea and just you know herbal tea and just hang out That's um a great idea <laughs> but um yeah so um here's another question i had for you um so do you find music like like basically like a form of like like a cathartic process to like eliminate emotions like unexpressed like i know you like studied philosophy right did you study philosophy in, in, in i did i mean it's so long ago yeah was, I, I have a minor in philosophy but okay yeah i was just curious like if you when did you realize like because uh, i remember there was this time where i was playing a song one time and um it was a military school and i was just playing and just kind of rocking out and then all of a sudden like i don't know if you ever get that that really high pitched sound in your ear where all of a sudden it just comes in really loud and then just kind of goes away but that's what happened after i played this song and i but i felt this really amazing piece there and i just asked my friend what time is it he's like 4:53 and now that was my first band name i was like this is when <laughs> you you kind of finish playing a song and there's like this almost deafness to where I, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. And I remember like when I would come off stage and play music, it was kind of like, it, I felt the same feeling where people would say, hey, great job, great job. But I was too much in my, like I was able to vent that it's almost like I didn't care about anybody's feedback anymore. Uh, I don't know if you ever get that after you play music where it's almost like, it doesn't really matter what happens tonight after I play because I just, I'm just in a good place where I was able to emote uh, in, in a way. Do, do you feel that way? Or do you, is there another reason why you, chose to yeah. kind of you know that um that route to emote i don't really know how to uh i don't think i can express that feeling that you're talking about after you get off stage after uh, after a show uh but i know what you're talking about it. i know it's i know i know what that is um but yeah i think it has a lot i, I guess i'll just i'll i'll search i'll search for the answer by saying that it definitely has a lot to do with emotion uh you're uh you know you're spending however long an hour or whatever the show is uh kind of like belting so much out that it's like emotionally exhausting uh that you i don't know and, and then it's like almost like it seems like you're like working on um I don't know. It's just like, it's definitely can be a def it's a weird, different energy, you know? Right. 
but uh, but it's good. I mean, it's mostly for the most part. I think say it feels it feels pretty positive. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I, I want to go to that one of the my favorite song um, that I think you ever wrote was um, "Art Is Hard." Because um, I because I remember that um, you know. I wrote here some notes that it, it kind of like behooves, I think, a musician to go high and low uh, to receive, I mean, at least in, in my opinion, like some inspiration. I feel like the middle ground is kind of like, I feel like there's nothing to write about. That's my opinion, you know, but like in the mid, when you're just kind of like even keel emotionally, I feel like there's not much substance to pull from. But when you're like way up high or way down low, there's just something like it kind of starts surrounding you where you're just like, okay, now I just need to like write things. Um, do you like kind of, cause I know like you write songs and sometimes it's just kind of, there's, there, there's some anger behind it, but do you ever kind of look back and be like, what was I going through to like write with that type of intensity and like, am I over it or am I, am I like, or is it, is it weird to play old songs that like I felt that way at that time? Do you ever, do you ever feel that way? Uh, yeah, I guess I don't, I, yeah, I don't, um, I should explain maybe that I did all of these songs. I kind of, uh, I kind of, uh, you know, carry with me in, in, uh, I, I, I kind of mean, I mean that like in like a really like pragmatic kind of sense that this is still the career that I've been working on. Um, that, that I've kind of like, that I've carried with me for, you know, the, the last 25 years. So, um, songs, even songs that I wrote, you know 20 years ago they're still kind of part of what i'm currently doing right if that you know what i mean mm -hmm. um like it's still uh, if i would have left music a decade ago and then got and dove headfirst into real estate and that's been my last 10 years then i think music would start all that music would start feeling a lot more distant sure but the thing is is that i'm still working i mean like i said today i'm like going over through four tracks of the things of the last you know like yeah. it's just all kind of like so i carry all of it with me um in that's a long way of saying that i don't feel that far away from the um the emotions and the understandings that i had when i was writing these things even things that were 20 years ago which is kind of wild because i do think you know that was a long time ago i mean i definitely really <laughs> could look back and in a lot of ways i see what a different person i was back then um but uh but yeah i don't know musically it's still uh, i still have a, i'm i still have like a pretty uh i still feel pretty tethered to all that uh so you mean like there's basically you're saying there's current relevance to all the things that you said 20 years ago it's still like uh kind of like a, a book you can pull out that is recent like you can the, the leaves are still kind of fresh still yeah yeah like i'm very I'm, I'm very well familiar with it and maybe it's because i carried the songs with me for so many years and so there's songs that are about totally different times in my life <clears throat> but i still understand what those songs are about and um i don't necessarily have those feelings but um but i know what those feelings are when while i'm expressing them while i play them live um i will say that uh that these songs, um, especially if they are 20 years old, um, I think that I, while still understanding what the initial uh, message and um, maybe emotions were behind it, they, uh, I'll play them this year and uh, I'll, and they'll mean something, they can potentially mean something totally different for me um, relative to what this year is like, to what's going on this year. And that, 
isn't that just me experiencing the song the way anyone's experiencing it kind of yeah. you know yeah. like uh which is interesting because then that means that's like you take a songwriter then you add 20 years and it's almost like you can become a um you're like ingesting or you know you're digesting uh your own song in a different way yeah so many years later because you are a different person yeah they, they say the same thing with a book that years later when you read it 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 it's you read it differently but it's because you've you've become a different person the second time you've read it or the third person the third time you've read it so kind of yeah. similar to that right yeah or think about like uh think about movies you loved when you were um even of a even at a reasonable age of like 20 or something like that right uh i know that there were movies i thought were outstanding when i was 20 and i take film pretty seriously like i i i think about it a lot i watch a lot of films uh but there is stuff i thought was super cool when i was 20 that i look back now and i'm just like man that's so what was that? <laughs> and who did i watch this with who tolerated this yeah <laughs> um yeah i was just gonna tell you uh, yeah I, I, that's one of my one of my favorite songs um um, you got to sink to swim. Yeah. It's, it's some good stuff right there. Um, so, um, yeah, so just kind of a, just a really like kind of off the top question is like, you know, I, for example, um, with the work that I do, you know, I'm, I'm like in energy medicine and things like that. Um, but it's really interesting kind of, I know one of your songs you're talking about, like, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it's like those drunken angry slurs. I'm trying to remember what song that was. You probably know which one it is. Um, uh, I mean, it sounds like that's artist hard again, isn't it? Oh, it might be. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. So that. Um, so what's really interesting though is that um, you know, in what I in my work that I do, um, like our organs produce like certain emotions. Like for example, like the liver produces anger, bitterness, guilt, hatred, resentment, depression, frustration, indecisiveness. So it's kind of like when people that I clients that I know that drink too much alcohol, or they drink caffeine. And their their liver is working really hard. It's kind of fatty, you know. Um, they tend to ex- express those emotions a lot more readily, you know. So I was just interesting. Like there, I think there were maybe two times in the album where it was just kind of like you mentioned drunken, angry, angry slurs, or you mentioned something about a drunken thing. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, is uh, when you were going into the music scene, did you notice that, like, like was it? D- did you hang around people that just drank a lot, or did you just kind of like, or did you have a phase or just like, you know? Sometimes I just need to drink and, and like, I, cause I know it's like the music scene is so, so interesting nowadays. It's kind of like in order to keep going, kind of like Elvis, like he just kind of had to take things to kind of continue and stuff. Um, do you feel like that's still going on in the rock industry? Kind of like, and did you, do you kind of like go like, Oh, like, okay, that's, I don't need that. I'm just going, I mean, like what, where are you at with that? Like, is that something that you participate in or just kind of like, nah, I'm, I'm not really into that. Well, first off, I imagine that it's still very tied into the music industry because it always has been. Right. You know? I mean, it's just like alcohol and drugs and rock and roll are just like all just kind of like they're all just a part of it. Yeah. Uh, in a major way, it seems like. Uh, but I do kind of wonder if with uh, I do kind of wonder if uh, that's waning maybe a little bit just in this just because isn't there some truth to the, that there is a. That the you know next new generations of um, youth um, still are getting very messed up, but maybe um, maybe not as much. Is that possible? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that's that's the case. Um, uh, I, I'm, well, but yeah, when, for us growing up, and I mean, I mean, through the aughts and you know through this through this music career, uh, 
I mean, Carissa was like total luscious. Like we were like, we definitely had, definitely have had a reputation of being like a heavy, heavy, uh, drinking band. Uh, but yeah, I mean, having gotten older, I've just kind of like learned how to curb that. And, uh, you know, for, uh, kind of just for being older, like kind of for health reasons, I, uh, you mentioned caffeine as well. Like I stopped drinking caffeine last uh, fall and it's been great. Oh, congratulations. Kind of just didn't need caffeine and it was messing with my gut quite a bit, but, uh, alcohol does too. Um, so I drink alcohol far more moderately now, but, uh, yeah, like we kind of, we definitely, um, went, 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 went at it pretty heavily, uh, for a lot, a lot of the years. Yeah, I was, I was just wondering why I was like, kind of mentioned in there, and I was like, I was like, hmm, I wonder if like he was, um, if it was like around your environment, because I, f- I feel like um, there's, there's just certain bands that were, that like I said, they kind of, there's always the ov- overindulger in it, and it's kind of like you know, I, I was kind of sad about the Foo Fighters drummer that um, recently yeah. passed away, you know, and it's like, it's like. Uh, you just never know when everyone's kind of enjoying themselves and having fun. There's really no limit to where you just say, "Hey, man, you got to cut it off." You're, you're you kind of become the the party pooper in there, you know. So everyone's just trying to just enjoy themselves, but then you don't want to like die. You like that's kind of like no one ever thinks that's going to happen, you know. Oh, right. So, um, but yeah, I was just kind of curious about that. Um, so, um, and then for me, I feel like the Recluse is one of the most pure-hearted songs I've ever heard. Like, I, I just watched the YouTube video. And there was a guy who just did the bass line and he was just like, I'm just gonna play the bass line of this song. And I just remember, and I and, and so it really stood out and I was just like, that is the most beautiful bass line I've ever heard. You know, and, and he and because it was so in the forefront, I was like, I don't know if like he um what what he was taking that day or if, if he was listening to Jimi Hendrix that day, I have no idea. But um but yeah, I just you know, one of the things that when I when I see an album, and I, I don't know if you think of it this way, uh, is that the, your album, that specific album, looks like every song was just it hits. Like you know, I I hate the albums where it's like two or three songs and they know, like they know that the rest is filler. I, they you know, and they're just yeah. like, and, and you're just like, like not to skip to track four and then track seven. It's just like, why do I have to skip tracks? You know, and if you have a record player, you have to like pick up your darn thing. You know, so, yeah. um, but I just noticed for, for me from front to beginning. I was like, every song is very powerful. It means something, and, and it fits, you know. Um, even when you did track thirteen, I think it was like the last track of the Ugly Organ. Um, you did like kind of a revamp of track eight, like you know, you did this like uh, what, what's yeah. that? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like right <laughs> yeah, at the end. Yeah. There's like there's the vocals there, and I was just like, he brought it back. I'm like, that's that's really cool. I don't know if anyone's like caring that he did that, but that's really cool that he brought it back that way. But I was gonna tell you like. Um, for me, the recluse is kind of like when you're doing a TV and you're trying to like fix the antennas a little bit and there's like static on it. It's kind of like once you get this perfect antenna spot, like it's just this clean transmission. For me, the recluse is like this, the cleanest, purest transmission that just kind of thing. But what, what does that song mean to you now? Is it, is it, has it changed the meaning at all for that song? Or have you like when you, whenever you revisit it, I've noticed you play slower versions of it sometimes and, it yeah. gets, and, and it's kind of a cool, really loungy sound. But like, um, does it have that same meaning? Because I mean, like, if the cello is so, uh, and the bass is so like in your face. It's like, uh, I'm just curious. Like, what's what do you think about that song nowadays? Uh, we, uh, it's it's the reckless has been a it's been a funny one for us because uh, we're, I think we consider ourselves to be a pretty you know, first and foremost kind of like an an, an aggressive, um, 
kind of questioning uh band and uh the recluse was like a real a real outlier for us uh but it was a nice song and it was you know uh you know i mean we put it on the record uh but it never uh you know you, you talked about artist hard and that was a song that i specifically was like felt like oh man this is really going to be um this song's really gonna uh it's really gonna hit you know like people are gonna like this a lot and uh, i just kind of had a good feeling about that song uh the reckless was just like another song on the record though and uh the record the reckless is like far and beyond like our most successful song uh we spent years not playing it live uh just because uh it didn't seem like a strong live song to us uh and now we play it i think almost every show because i think mostly i think just because the internet has helped give us um enough uh uh statistics i guess to show that <laughs> recluse is like far and beyond like our most well-known song so we're like oh yeah well that's cool like you know like it's it's i mean we like the song um it's just surprising to us that that's the song that takes off but no no sometimes i guess like it, it's um it's a really uh for us anyway it's like a really uh pretty straightforward um song it's just kind of four chords uh repeated you know <laughs> and uh, that's like fairly that's like we rarely do anything like that but that's also kind of like a real testament right to yeah to like uh you know like three chords in the truth and like that kind of attitude it's just uh you don't really need much to make a song work right right yeah i just i i personally feel like i want to like knock on k-rock's door and just be like you guys aren't playing enough cursive like um you guys ah. you know <laughs> but um i know you're from from omaha nebraska tell me like the uh, the, the highlight of that place like because uh, i was just talking to mallory before this and i was just like like when you go there, it's like, what's the cool thing to do, or is that a place that you want to escape from? Like, what, what, where, where, what is that for you? Like, when you think of that place, what three things come to mind that you're like, this is a great place for this, and uh, awesome place for this, and do you have that uh, for that place? Well, it's kind of um, just to go back, just to before, just go back just a tiny bit. I was going to say that it's kind of um, both for me um my experience with it it's kind of both a place that you want to escape but also a great and also a great place and what i mean by that is that growing up Omaha has just changed a lot it's gotten a lot it's kind of a lot um it's in, I, I guess like not like significantly larger but it's like you know it's been growing it's a growing city uh but for us growing up uh i very much felt that kind of uh sheltered middle of nowhere uh vibe of omaha and felt the need to leave uh omaha's done a great job over the last uh you know i don't know 15 20 years of uh you know finally taking and i'm going to say finally because i feel like growing up it just was so conservative and didn't really um it just really wasn't growing and it was people are always leaving um and that's the problem for a city right uh but I think that over the last 20 years, it really kind of started like kind of getting it together and becoming like, it's just such a really pretty part of the country. Um, and I think that like some people might scoff at that, but just like, just maybe you haven't really been to Omaha. People always say like, Oh, I've driven through there because they drive on, they take it I-80, you know, but um, it's like, it's hilly. It's actually hilly. It has the hills and it has tons of trees. 
Um, it's a really green, green place. Um, so yeah, it's a nice place and everybody stays now. I think you know, maybe I can't say everybody, but you know, it's like, it's, uh, you know, I, I have so many, I have such a large friend group there because, um, everybody stuck around there and it's a bunch of great people. Um, you know, and it's like, I don't know. It's the type of city that loves loves food, kind of like Chicago does. Oh know? yeah, yeah. I know that's kind of a midwestern thing, but so you know, there's some great restaurants there. Um, deep dish pizza or, or no dip dish dip de- uh, dish pizza? No, no, they don't get into that. <laughs> they, don't get, they don't get into that. That is a uh, Chicago thing, right? Or yeah, yeah. Chicago's got all kinds of things, man. They're food crazy. Yeah, uh, was, but yeah, I'd say more than anything, it's just the people are like are exceptional in a while. I'm glad it's finally growing. Like, um, I always find it still kind of weird, in my opinion, to go back to where I grew up. And um, I, I grew up in a place called Palos Verdes, and so it's it's, uh, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a bubble up there, you know. And and it's so crazy how like just you know, 15 minutes south, the whole economic look is different. And then 15 minutes more south, you know, it's just it's crazy how just 30 minutes away from like an area, it can just change so so drastically, you know. Um, but yeah. Sometimes when you go back, you're just like, "Wow, this place is really beautiful." I was a spoiled, angry kid that uh, with teenage angst and uh, listening to Rage Against the Machine that I didn't even couldn't appreciate this place, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, it's always good to come back. But um, yeah, let's talk about your your new your new album because I know it's called Middling Age, um, and um, I was born in '81, so I don't know what middling age is. It's like about fifty. Is it fifty? Am I am I? Is that what it is? Like. Is that, uh, is what what is that why'd you make, I, it, make it that title i'm kind of curious like why did you put that in the forefront uh well i think middle age is um uh sadly for you i think it's 40 probably. oh it's 40 okay so I'm, I'm, i've hit it like my birthday yeah. my birthday's uh this month so i'm gonna be 41 so i'm passing the middle age sweet yeah um but i just kind of i came up with i would you know i just had a ton of different names for this album and uh I ended up landing on uh, middling age because uh, I just thought it was kind of a fun play on the term middle aged. Um, that that is what it can feel like is um, like a fairly uh, middling existence when you kind of um, when you maybe hit up. I think for a lot of uh, a lot of us human beings, you can kind of feel like you like plateau, yeah. you know, uh, and that can feel middling, you know, right. um, as in like marginal. Uh, so that's just it. I kind of just like a a a mild mildly um funny way of um expressing that it's an album about um about being middle-aged but also feeling like it's like that it it can be a a, a middling um static kind of experience for for us. So so it's almost like uh, um you're kind of because is that um is the middling age beyond midlife crisis or are they kind of hanging out right next to each other um i think they're the same they're well the they're same, not the same thing but they're definitely right next to each they're other definitely next to each other yeah that's what i yeah. thought <laughs> it's a midlife crisis is what you have when you hit middle age middle age right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or you, if you do or you don't right. i don't think i don't know if i'll ever have a middle life crisis midlife crisis because there's so much arrested development to being in music that uh it's like i don't know yeah you just why writing a record called middling age it's like i do that because it is my i'm because i'm in my 40s you know but uh 
But, uh, we, we live in a completely different generation where, you know, you go on SoundCloud and put something on there and then people are watching your music. Before, it was almost like everything was like, I need to get a label. You know, it's like, I, I think there's so many ways to transmute your music now that it's just like, there's, which is a good thing and a bad thing in some ways, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, some people maybe shouldn't be doing that. But I'm just saying, like, it's kind of cool that there's so much platforms to release your stuff and you don't need someone to tell you, hey, you're good and let me sign you. I think that's kind of a... Yeah, I've always said, I've always felt really positive about, about that. Um, this was, uh, you know, these, the, are, are, I feel like questions about this would come up a lot in the early aughts because um, there's a lot of, it was like the internet was newer in the same, you know, and it's oh, like, yeah. in music online was a newer concept. And I've just always, I've always, um, I've always said that's a positive thing. Um, and to that also, because mostly, um, well, not mostly, but just like uh, the adage that cream rises to the top, you know? Uh, so I think it's great that the thing is, you know, say SoundCloud is an example. It's still close to impossible to become successful on SoundCloud, but you can. <laughs> and it's great. That's great. You know, that's like, uh, that. that's so cool. I think it's great right. to have, um, it's great that people can put stuff out on SoundCloud and, and feel like, who knows? I don't know. Maybe it'll take off. Maybe it'll, you know, right. maybe it'll resonate with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, uh, some people think labels are, um, kind of becoming obsolete or unnecessary, but I disagree with that as well because, um, labels still are, uh, tastemakers, mm -hmm. uh, in a major way. And that whatever artist that managed to get big on SoundCloud, awesome. I'm so, I'm so happy for them. But also, if they had been had they been discovered by a prominent label, they would they, they would have um, found this. They would have had similar success, success that, way, that well. way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, I I, I remember um, one of my favorite uh, singers is uh, Mike Patton from Faith No More, and yeah, um, yeah, and so I you know I followed him with Phantomist, Tomahawk, and all the different yeah. projects he has, and he's just a very versatile singer, you know. And um, uh, I remember. Um, when he started Ipecac, you know, like, and that's his label, you know, and he's just bringing in different bands. And it's kind of like, I love it when someone gets like, he's like, okay, I've had my success. How can I give back to people, you know? And um, mm -hmm. I feel like you recently are, I think, is there, um, I, th I think there's a label that you're working on right now, right? And you're trying to like also invite other bands to come in or am I totally wrong with that? Like, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, Cursive has a label called 15 Passenger. That's what it is. Uh, 15 Passenger. And it's essentially a label um, that, for us to um, put our back catalog on and also we're releasing new albums on and the middling age came out on it as well uh we are we have dabbled a little bit with um releasing other artists uh just uh kind of just because of it's our love of music and our love of the um music community and kind of wanting to get back in in ways and we would like to continue doing it uh, we're having a little hard time with um you know the bandwidth as far as our all of us personally having the time to to get that to keep that going but also just financially it's 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 hard uh it's um what a tough industry right to um yeah. put um to put stuff out to put music out where music doesn't really cost anything you know it's like it's kind of it's basically free now um so it's kind of hard to find the revenue streams for that you have to get successful um you need the bands to get terribly successful basically on um stream through via streaming in order to like, kind of like uh, manage to find a return on investment on that 
So, you know, we try it's to spend tricky. very little and uh, hope for the best. Yeah, I, I um, that was part of one of my homework at to a musician's institute. They said uh, I need to go work at an independent label for a little bit, and I was just like kind of putting CDs together and everything. And I was just kind of appreciating it, like the little people here. And I remember I was like, Avenged Sevenfold was one of the albums, and it was he came from a little label, and then later on yeah. I think got signed to like Island or whatever. But I'm just like, it was kind of cool to see like, hey, this little person here. And then you never know kind of what happens in the future. Like you said, the cream goes to the top, you know, and uh, good music is good music, you know? And so, um, but, um, so yeah. So are you, are you going on tour with your album? Like what's going on? Like how can people like find you? Like, uh, cause I know everybody wants to get out of their house cause we're just tired of wearing masks, you know? And so, you know, we just want to see like Tim Casher rocking out now. So, so where can they find you at? Like what's, what's going on? Um, unfortunately, as of this conversation, um, there are multiple, um, dates being lined up but i don't have anything concrete yet so i don't there's not really a there's not really a tour to speak of at the moment uh i will offer that uh cursive is going to be out in the fall a couple times thus so far a couple times uh we're doing uh cursive's playing furnace fest in um birmingham alabama i think it is with a pretty cool lineup that included that like sunny day including sunny day real estate i remember uh and then also playing um, the fest in Gainesville around the end of October, Gainesville, Florida. I, I noticed that no bands ever come to Utah. Like all my favorite bands, they just never. So I'm like, okay, so I have to like go east or go west, but no one stops here. Why not? Like, oh I'll, yeah, you know, I actually quite like playing SLC. Uh, excuse me. Um, I, so I play, um, I play SLC just about every time I tour the west coast okay yeah because i know like you know i went to uh love loud uh with my wife you know and they, they you know imagine dragons was there and that was a great that was a great venue there and and um yeah slc will welcome welcome you with like you know open arms you know so yeah. um but uh yeah i was like but i just feel like it's like everyone's going to the east or the west and i'm just like but yeah if you take salt lake city my wife and i will make a drive uh down there um yes. So cool. let me let me just uh uh i just have like just maybe two or three more questions i know you're a busy guy but um there's um I know there's um I, I once heard in an interview oh yeah I once heard in an interview that you were saying that you're like somebody says, Do you fully disclose all your like what you really want to say sometimes? And I think like there were two or three interviews where you said, um uh to an extent, you, you know, and and you kind of brought up your mom twice, like kind of like I don't want to like step on anybody's toes, you know? And mm -hmm. I, I always was wondering is like, what if your mom just kind of had earmuffs and for just like an hour, uh, what would you, is there anything that you'd specifically be like, I'd go way more down this road if I could. Have you ever thought about that at all? You probably thought about that. Like kind of like, what would it be if it was, there was no like mom listening and just like, I can just say whatever I want to say. Is it the same theme uh, or is it different? You know, I would say that I'm I'm always trying to push myself to write that way anyway. Uh, so I don't think I'm, too i don't think i'm too far off but uh i think the I, I think that i could always use work on it um i like i like this question because the reason the way i see it becoming a really slippery slope is it is when a writer can kind of go from um being decent to being an asshole <laughs> right uh, and and i i actually do kind of push myself to be like well if it's a matter of writing something that's like pure or real or universal and it means that you're kind of being an asshole to a particular person or 
um, community or, or what have you. Um, I'll still debate it. I'll still like consider it, I should say, um, and kind of weigh out like what the, what the benefits are. I do think that, um, I do think writers need to, um, I think, I think to really write, you need to kind of block everything out, uh, and then depend, um, and trust on your, your personal community to, uh, to not, uh, give you like a flack for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a, you know, like a great relationship, um, with a lot, you know, with like my wife and with a lot of my closest friends and with my bandmates that there's not, um, any like need or insistence to, uh, to discuss lyrics and stuff that, um, if it feels inappropriate or if it seems kind of, uh, you know, like, um, to maybe make more of a, a good concrete example kind of like the hey is that about me or you know like yeah that kind of a thing it's just like it's not it's it's uh it can it's just not good for writers to have to like um be um held um to task you know right. taking a task for what they're writing about or to be held responsible mm -hmm. uh so probably what i think that go back to the articles you're reading um i have always um maintained uh I've always maintained that what I write is both uh, uh, a biograph, you know, autobiographical and and fiction, right? And uh, and you don't, might not know which is which, <laughs> and it's and it's and I and I'm not like held accountable for having to tell people which is which, uh, and that's kind of the veil that I need to hide behind in order to try to write as. Um, honestly as possible and i think that's how most writers i am assuming are uh but that but that last song was written about me though for sure right <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah yeah no absolutely the last one was good. <laughs> the one that was like you're just being really harsh there i was like that song's got to be about me um, <laughs> <laughs> um okay so now now here we go with the flash questions. This is just going to be back to back and then we're just going to end our little interview here. And I'm just so grateful for you taking some time. And like I said, yeah, no I, you know, I, I love, um, like I said, I, I loved all the interviews that were out there, but it just seemed like um, I felt like since the beginning of your work, I just feel like, does anyone really understand like how like thoughtful his lyrics are and have you dissected it recently, you know? And, and I can always appreciate a lyricist, but, you know, interviewer, they have to do their job, but they're not going to go to the extent of like, I'm passionately enjoying your lyrics that I want to dissect it. That doesn't mean that they're, they're, they're not held to do that, but I wanted to do that. I was like, you know what, this, this album, there's some great lyrics in here. Like you can just take two lines and just kind of sit there and look at it and be like, that has a lot of meaning in multiple ways. And um, you can kind of, you know, extract it. So, um, okay. So flash questions, here we go. So you can't, you can only think for about two seconds. Okay. Okay. So eighties or nineties. Uh, for me, 80s. Okay, Hendrix or David Gilmore? Oh, uh, Gilmore. Nice. Okay, so uh, who would it win in a fight? Uh, Tim Casher 2022 or Tim Casher 2002? Oh, she's um, probably 2002, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's the most random question I can ask? Okay, so um, hippie or alien? Uh, do you say hippie or alien? <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll go alien on yeah, that. I, know, I like aliens too. Um, so psychic abilities or walk through walls and why? This is great. Um, I think I'd easily go psychic abilities. It's far more interesting. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like there's like, that's just, 
you're i mean walking through walls is like you could be kind of just a moron you can walk <laughs> through walls <laughs> but psychic abilities is like gosh that really puts you on a whole other level of uh but I, th I think maybe to get the choice hours. to turn it on or turn it off, because then, you know, you don't want to be like, so what do you guys think about the music? And then you're like, okay, turn it off. Like, I don't want to hear everyone's real thoughts, you know, on this. Oh, right, yeah. Um, no, but, uh, so yeah, we should have the ability to turn it on, turn it off. I think it's fair. Um, um, play music or work at a corporate job where you listen to your own music like Dorothy at 40 does. <laughs> I will definitely play my own music. I mean, that's crazy talk. That's a crazy question. <laughs> Okay, so last question: What rocks harder, the martyr or gentleman call the gentleman caller? Wow, good question. Um, well, I probably have. Well, uh, they rock in different ways, but I, I think I'll maybe just I'll have to go with the martyr. Yeah, martyr is a good one. Uh, it's 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 pretty hard hitting there. So. Yeah, Tim, I just uh, thanks for all you do for pouring out music out there for everyone. And like I said, if anyone who's listening here, I know you also have kind of a cool thing. You have a kind of like a VIP Patreon out there. So if anyone has Patreon in there, you, you can go in there and you can get kind of like almost the inside of, I guess you're playing acoustic songs from time to time. What are you, what are you doing over there too? Yeah, it's uh, it's called Tim Casher's Home Phone. And uh, it's, all, I mean, it's just been a lot of fun. It's something I considered doing for a handful of years and, just started doing it last year and I'm just starting my second year now. And it's a lot of, uh, old, it's a lot, it's a mix of older stuff, kind of like from the vault as people like to say, uh, finding, um, even just like, that's kind of part of what I'm doing actually right now is like going through all these four tracks and finding stuff that I can put up on, um, that Patreon page. Uh, but it's also, uh, new songs I've written and, uh, and songs that don't uh like you know cursive and good life songs that don't um that don't make it to albums and don't make it to like proper b-sides there's just so much stuff that i write into so I, it's just a great for me it's just been so much fun to have um and yet another outlet as if i needed one but i to have yet another outlet that i can um i can kind of like put these songs in front of people and uh it just get, i don't know it's so much nicer than like having songs sit on a shelf yeah, and it's cool. Um, I guess, I don't know if you'd call them seasides, but um, yeah, it's just basically like exclusive stuff that you can't get anywhere else. And so if you're a Tim Casher fan, you should be checking out his Patreon and things like that. And then I'm going to hold you to the SLC show because uh, then we'll drive yeah. five hours to go there. And um, <laughs> yeah, is there anything else you want to kind of share just that um, about what you're doing just so that people can you know get a hold of you? Or I guess what the big thing is, where can we see once there's upcoming tour comes up? I guess there's a cursive website that people can go to. Um, and we'll put it yeah. down in the about section for you, but. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's called, I know I'm probably seeming coy here, but I do, I think it's called cursivearmy.com. Um, and there's timcasher.com. Um, I'm gonna just check on that cursive army. I think that's what it's called. I don't go there often since I, since I live it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Okay. Um, cursive Army. Because a cursiveArmy.com, Yep. Okay, great. So, and we try to keep those updated. Actually, probably the best, up, most updated things are probably just Instagram and Facebook, which is you know Tim Casher and or uh, and then Curse of the Band Curse on Instagram. Band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And um, yeah, so just excited for this new album, and it. I keep listening to it, and again, I'm going to make a ringer out of that first or the second great. song of that album. So that's my goal in life. So. Um, but yeah, appreciate you being on here and uh, look forward to all your success. I appreciate it so much. Thanks a lot.